Let's pray. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, the world is in a mess and we need you like never before. Not a prepared prayer, not just a little help us right now, Lord. But God, we sincerely forgot to have you in this time frame of ours. We're living right now, Lord God, through some of the darkest times we could ever remember. And Lord Jesus, not getting any better. We know we have to go through prophecy and prophetic season. But we know we have to stand when nobody else is standing. Give your sense of God the strength to stand. No matter what happens in Washington, D.C., we know there's going to be trouble. Either way, we know there's going to be trouble. So, God, let your saints be ready for the trouble. Let's pray, turn from our wicked ways, understand that you are the most important element in this world, not Washington, D.C. Let's get back praising you and glorifying you in sincerity and truth. Now, through earth glasses, but through the reality of who you are, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The hour of darkness, the hour of light. The hour of darkness, the hour of light. Come on on this November 6, 2020. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees in St. Matthew chapter 16, verse 3b. And that goes beyond the Pharisees, that goes beyond the church. Now in the time frame when this goes to the whole world, you know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. In other words, you look up, you see it's cloudy, you say, oh, it's going to rain. During this season, you may say, oh, it's going to snow. When next month it's cloudy, you'll say, oh, it's going to snow. If the sun is shining and there's no clouds in the sky, you say, well, as of right now, it's going to be a beautiful day. He said, you can interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of time. We're living in rough, serious times. And the shaking of this pandemic, the shaking of the whole world as global, this is not just a coincidence, it's not just a China thing. This is God shaking the world. We say, well, I don't believe in God. If things like this keep going on, you will, you will soon enough. And then you need to get with somebody who can teach you what's going on. You say, well, if God was so loving, why is this going on? 
So you have to get with somebody who can tell you why. I'm not talking about me, not necessarily. But you gotta get with somebody who knows what they're talking about and can get into the bowel. Now, what is the hour of darkness? And what does it entail? Well, it's not an hour in a 24-hour day. It's a season or a certain length of time. However, not a season like spring, summer, fall, winter, either. Either. It's not like that either. But it's a time frame where too many things that are not good keep on happening over and over again. And they get closer and closer to each other until you hopefully get to a point where you can no longer deny that something is wrong. And that's what's happening now in the world. It's getting to a point where you can't, you can't deny something's up that you can't explain. Now, the hour of darkness can only be broken from, by the light from divine intervention. It can't be stopped by a politician or a scientist or civil rights activists. Try as they may, even in all sincerity, they may try to sustain economic stability, control of climate change, or leveling justice. It cannot be resolved by them. So how will this hour of darkness be defeated? Well, for one thing, one needs to be born again. Now, this is where someone might say, why do you born again people feel that Jesus is the only way? Hmm. Okay, that's a legitimate question. If I may, I'd like to list some prophetic and or other scriptures from both testaments of the Bible, and you decide if they sound accurate for today. You know a lot of people say, I don't believe the Bible. Well, I'll just give you these uh, scriptures anyway. You can look it up whether you believe in the Bible or not. And then you tell me if it's up to date. Well, don't tell me. But you decide yourself if it's up to date. Now, for the Old Testament, there's Isaiah chapter 24, verses 5 to 6a. There's Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And verse 1. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And St. Luke chapter 21, the entire chapter. Now, it's not, it's not that born-again people are trying to forcibly get you to believe in Jesus' way. We don't mean they're trying to seem like we're falling down your throat. But there are two things you got to consider if you're unsaved. Jesus is alive, and we know that, the saints know that, because he is the one, the only one, who can actively change a person's life from a life of darkness to a life of light, where they have a new mind and a zeal to follow him Obey his word. And number two, the other thing to consider, he has prophecy on his side. And it's unfolding right now in front of your face. So, 
I say that one has to be born again to access the, access the throne of God. See Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 from the complete Jewish Bible. So since we have so since we have come to be considered righteous by God because of our trust, let's continue to have shalom, peace, with God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Also through him and on the ground of our trust, we have gained access to this grace in which we stand. So let, let us boast about the hope of experiencing God's glory. See, we're not supposed to boast in ourselves, but we boast in Jesus, what he can do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 from NLT. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help when, to help us when we need it most. Let's say that again. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 from the NLT. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Off <clears throat> Romans. Now, this yet we really have to understand. So this kind of answers all this is answering the question of why do born again people feel that Jesus is the only way. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 from the NLT. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, but you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Okay, got that? So, to unsaved, just like you have an employee handbook, maybe, for your job or a code of ethics you must follow, the born-again people have the Bible as their code of ethics or employee handbook. See, we must follow it, and if it goes against your beliefs, as it will, we still are obligated to listen to God and not man or woman when their beliefs clash against the handbook. You may have come across some Christians, quote-unquote, who seem to be crass. But not all Christians are in the same level of development. So what people normally do is they broad brush. Well, don't broad brush us all. Don't broad brush all Christians. All are all the same. No, we're not. We're not all the same no matter how it may feel to you. All right, getting back to our darkness. So then after not being allowed to access the throne of his grace, it's going to take the power of prayer and living right to break through Satan's darkness. Very, the very famous verse right now during this time frame, I would say this verse would have to be the golden text of the Bible, not St. John 3.16. Because this particular verse... I'm about to read is to the children of God. This is 2 Chronicles 7.14 from the NIV. And if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, 
then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal, heal their land. And that's so constant right now. Things of God would just do that. It'd be a big difference. And it's starting to be a big difference. We just have to see it through spiritual eyes, not through natural eyes. Because if we look through natural eyes, we're not going to see any kind of relief. But you have to believe God means what he says. Now, First John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I'll see you. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. These are some rough scriptures. Excuse me. These are some rough scriptures. Yeah, I know. But they're in the Bible, and if we're going to go by this quote-unquote employee handbook or code of ethics, we have to eat the whole thing. We can't just take the verses we like because there's coming a time where we may have to say this to people. And God is telling us, listen, I know there's a lot of people running around saying they're saved and they're born again and they belong to God's family. But right here at the end, he says, anyone who does not live righteously and does not, not, does not love other believers does not belong to God. Period. Now, you can do whatever you want, but that's what it says. Now, over the years, I've never heard anyone Except my late ex-pastor quotes the verse. Or verses 9 and 10. He quoted it from the King James Version, which will give you the impression that you are instantly without any character flaws and you no longer have to filter your mouth because everything that will come out of your mouth from now on will automatically be seasoned with salt and you'll know how to answer everybody. That's not necessarily true. Or you King James Virgin people. Now it's a tough verse, but it's not as complicated as it sounds. If you're born in God's family, you don't go around saying, gee, what kind of trouble can I get in today? And yet, the old sinful nature, the old sinful you is dead. And you no longer have a desire to sin or run wild. However, you'll find out how much of you still need to work by simply keep on living. Notice verse 10. You have to live righteously and love other believers even if you don't doctrinally agree. Otherwise, guess what? Then according to the verse, you do not belong to God. Now, a person may ask, how can you say I don't belong to God? That's just mental. Well, guess what? All I did was quote from a Bible. I didn't say it to you from my own heart. God did. If you don't believe the book I, if you don't believe the book I read it from, 
Just know that your unbelief doesn't stop it from being true. Now, wishful thinking and psychological positive thinking won't stop darkness. Satan laughs at that. We're in a prophetic season which includes an hour of darkness. This isn't tribulation darkness, kid. You don't want to be here for that. Hmm. Believe me, you sure don't want to be here for that. <clears throat> but as I usually point out, I want you to notice how these following things I'm going to mention are happening at the same time right now and are intensifying over the, over the days, the weeks, the months, the years. They're intensifying. Civil unrest, racial tensions, private economic woes, pandemic, intensified weather patterns, and many chronic ailments with the side effects from their medicine that are worse than the ailment itself. I'm sure you've seen those commercials. Take this if you have arthritis. Take this if, if you have bad kidneys. Take this if, if uh, you can't stop smoking. Take this. And then they read you the list of side effects. And that takes a month of the commercial time. Well, then the benefits. So, are we in an hour of darkness? Most definitely. Whether or not you think these things are right or wrong, expect these following things to either increase or be introduced. People becoming more, excuse me, people becoming even more adamant that abortion is okay and necessary. People are going to want more rights for the LGBTQI plus community. And this one I just read the other day. I couldn't believe it. This is what happened, I think, in, in Britain, in England somewhere. People who want babies over the age of 35 will let their father be one of their platonic friends. No more soulmate. Just go to a clinic. Leave you a specimen, and nine months later, it's Hello Daddy, the platonic friend of my mommy. The Bible will continue to be a growing hated book and considered by some the most dangerous book ever written. It's happening now, it's gonna get worse. Talking against homosexuality or just not accepting it will get you more than the title homophobic. Oh, homophobic, yeah. How about some jail time? Let me say that again. Talking against homosexuality or just not accepting it will get you more than the title homophobic. How about jail time? Now, politics might as well be war. Olive branch extended to make peace? Are you kidding? It's more like a flaming torch extension. We're just supposed to grab the top of the torch where the flame is. And while you're grabbing that, they chuck a hand grenade behind you. This not me sitting down and, and talking. They're just going to remain enemies. That's, all. That's it. 
People hating each other will increase. That's prophecy. And add on that whatever is going bad now, expect it to intensify. Mm, excuse me. You say all the things, okay, but. Now here's the but. The hour of light. God himself will prevail. He never lost a battle. He can't. He's in control of everything. The hour of light is already underway, but it's not time for it to manifest in its full glory. The current hour of darkness has reasons for being here. It does, yes. Prophecy demands it. It's here for the sins of, because of the sins of the people. To shake up the world to get our attention. It's time for the church to be the church. So instead of me, 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 it's time for them, them, them. Now you say, well, do you have any Bible about, about those things? Well, prophecy demands it. It's, it's all through there, especially um, St. Luke chapter 21, St. Mark chapter 13, and St. Matthew chapter 24. You say, it's here for the sins of the people? What do we do? Well, we got to be Isaiah chapter 24. I think I mentioned that too. Isaiah chapter 24, verses 5 and 6. Shake up the world to get our attention. What's that about? You got to be Hebrews, I think it's chapter 12. And then time for the church to be the church. That goes without saying, period. You don't have any scripture for that. Like I said, instead of me, 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 it's time for them, them, them. In other words, it's time to care about other people other than ourselves. So many songs are about me, me, me. Instead of us. Now, saints, I know that you heard it said that we're salt and light. Let's look a little deeper into that. Talk about soul light. Now we'll talk about the hour light. St. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 from the NLT. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled on the foot of worthless. And he goes on to say, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. All right, let's go back to salt. Salt, it has a taste to it that can attract people to you through the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's a good preservative. So we are to preserve the purity of the word and not compromise. Number three, if it loses its taste, it's worthless. So saints, don't get so involved in other things that are worldly because that's going to pull away from your spiritual life. And you don't want your flesh getting stronger and your spirit getting weaker. Because if you can't encourage anybody in this race and you you don't know anything about the Bible and you don't read and you don't study 
and you don't even have a light, you don't let your light shine. Well, that that's light, but talk about salt. If you lose your taste, you become worthless. You might as well just be like everybody else out there in the street who's lost. Number four, and this one I didn't know. Growing out there about this in a second. Salt draws out impurities from a cut. Yeah, that salt draws draws out impurities from a cut. When I was about in my teens, you know, living at home, if I got a cut, my father would say, pour some salt in there. I'd be like, Are you kidding? That's going to burn. You just put, put salt in there. It's going to tell I said, you, you crazy? It's going to burn. It did, of course. But, but all Western in uh, remedy or whatever, <laughs> it, he says it draws out the impurities. And uh, so you want to get infected. And I never got infected. Every time I got a cut. So as a saint, if you are the salt of the earth, your life should draw, help draw out through Jesus Christ, should help draw out the impurities that's in a certain person. You'll want them to want to confess their sins. They're going to want to change their ways. So because of us being salt, we can help get the impurities out of somebody through the Lord, not through ourselves, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. And number five, salt used to be used as currency. You know, they would burn down the vegetation to, from making money for taxes. And of course, it was good for preserving food so you can travel long distances. Now, as far as the light part goes, light. When you switch on a light switch in a room, the light comes on and the darkness flickers. Where does it go? Who cares? Now you can see what's in the room more clearly. So in a dark, dark world such as this one, saints are lights. The whole conclusion of being a light is for your life to shine as a light, which in turn lets that light affect someone to the point of their wanting to get saved, thereby increasing the kingdom of heaven and making God happy. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15b for the NLT. To you, saints, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You can't get away from that. There's crooked and perverse people out there. So he said, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright light in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So you have to stick out, we have to stick out like a sore thumb. The world's doing this thing, we got to be different. Yeah, people are not going to like you, that's part of the journey. You know, I finally realized, we all have to realize that it's not about staying inside four walls and the ceiling and chowing with the ham and organ and swinging from a chandelier and bumping into walls and speaking in tongues to ourselves. 
That's not what it's all about. It's about just getting soul saved. Like I said, it's not about me, me, me. It's about them, them, them. Because that's how we're going to please God. By letting our light shine. <clears throat> Somehow, over the decades, American churches, houses of worship, have stopped being the church assigned to live a righteous life and spread the gospel. And I think you know it's true. Instead, they became a networking meeting place or just a meeting place to hang out with your friends, a place for musical entertainment, a place where sin is considered only a mistake, and a place where there is so much premarital sex, adultery, and divorce. Don't we realize and understand completely that if those things are not repented of, we're sitting on a pallet gate with a fuse that's been lit. Let the light of Jesus shine in and out of your heart. One of the best ways, if not the best way, is to live a righteous life. Let your light shine. The hour of light is going on around the world, even if we don't see it. Be a part of the light, because the hour of darkness is already here.